She's you, toasty, bud. You gotta be smarter than the zipper, my bro. <laughs> that's that's what I said to my bag. No notes for you today if you can't unzip your backpack. No notes for you. Yikes. What's up, man? <laughs> I'm I'm good. Feeling healthy. Were you not feeling healthy? I'm, I'm just feeling extra healthy today. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> I see you pretty regularly. I didn't know that there was a, uh, a an illness in the mix. There wasn't. Just feeling good today. What about your general person is making you feel uh, extra healthy? I got a massage this afternoon. Ooh, that'll... Or worked out some things. That'll do it. Uh-huh. Was it, uh, was it a crystal stone massage of some... No. Hmm. Were They'd you, probably be open to it, though, if I brought some. Were you in a weird salt cave mm, basement? No, just a room. Okay. <laughs> just checking. With a table and a person. That sounds relatively yeah, pedestrian. Pretty standard stuff. But also thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Been having some issues. Not having any issues anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think I should probably do that. I uh, looked at my calendar today where I keep track of my, my running schedule. I ran 50 miles this month. Damn, that's a long way to run. That <laughs> wasn't gonna fit. That I didn't boy try. Is long. I didn't try to. I didn't try to squeeze it in. Um, congratulations, motherfucker. Thanks, dude. You're well on your way to dunking a marathon into the running basket. Lost 12 pounds in the process, which feels feels healthy. It's lit, fam. Just gonna send it. Still gonna <laughs> send it. Been sending it this month. Feeling good. That's tight, dude. Mm-hmm. That's tight. I've been, uh, man, look at us. We're on our, like, grown man, dad dog's ghost blog health shit, bro. You know what it is? Getting to that age where if I don't do stuff, it kind of feels shitty. Yeah. And also, <laughs> it goes the other way, like, quick. Uh-huh. Like, like you, if you choose to do nothing, it's not like a neutral ground where you just maintain. Mm. You, it just starts to get worse. So if you don't another do day, something, <laughs> real talk. <laughs> and if it's another day, another beer, uh, it's going to be another LB in like 14 days until yeah. Yeah. it's too many. And y'all, I got to be honest. I know that linear time is a thing that often scares me, but... It's not real. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. But, uh, well, linear time in the sense that, holy shit, is it almost fall? Like, where did the year go? Hot take. Where did the year go? Tell me more about this. It's not a hot take. (laughs) It's a very cliched and adult thing to be like, boy, time sure is moving fast. But I do feel like we just started doing our January episodes like three weeks ago. It's a pretty nice day out there today. Don't you think? Don't you know? See that new episode of the TV show? Hey, you sure? If you liked it, you should check out my ghost blog. I tell stories about the ghosts I run into on my old ghost blog. Boop. Here. Um, word, man. Hi, everybody. It's the What If Podcast. That's Hello. Spencer. I'm Ryan. Hello. And uh, I answered for both of us, just for those of you that get confused about whose voice <laughs> you is You did who. say hello and hello. That's not good for anyone. <laughs> I'm Ryan. This voice is Ryan. This voice is Spencer. Um, you want to hear some voicemails? Yeah, let's kick it off with, uh, with some listener contributions. It looks like we're starting with one maybe roasting me based on Google's uh, description. That's my favorite kind of voicemail. Transcription. Hey, guys, this is Bandit from Wisconsin. I forgot if I called in before. but I- Bandit? Was Bandit that from Wisconsin. Got yeah, it. I think Bandit did call in because I remember thinking, it's a pretty fucking sweet name. I think I have, and I forgot what on, but if this is the same thing, I'm sorry. Well, basically, I'm I'm calling to complain about Spencer's taste in general. Like, dude, <laughs> what? 
Maybe I'm just an idiot, but... Got him! <laughs> I really, really like the red hot chili peppers like this. No, no, you're just an idiot. It's okay. No, the chili peppers are great, <laughs> and Spencer has trash taste. Carry on. Great to me. And I actually like the... Um, the second one is the Cloverfield Paradox. It was kind of tricky, if I'm thinking of the wrong Cloverfield movie. Paradox. Mm-hmm. What was it? You know what? I think I forgot the basic plot of that movie. But anyway, <laughs> the main, I, so here's the thing. If you leave out the plot, it's okay. I love the concept of like, hey, I really like that movie. I, I don't really remember what it was about, but I like that movie. <laughs> if you just don't really think about it, it's pretty solid. I think, I fucking think that it was okay. And maybe I'm taking too long to speak because my voicemail has been cut off. I don't know. But anyway, bye. Love the show. You're doing great stuff. I'm going to buy some merch because I just bought a Time Set Candle, which is another great podcast. Am I allowed to plug other shows? I'm sorry. I'll leave now. Love you. Bye. Love you. <laughs> bye, Bandit. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> yes. Thanks for calling. I can't back you up on Cloverfield Paradox, Bandit, because, spoiler alert, I haven't seen that movie, but you're right about Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're also right that Spencer's a hater. Uh, I'll give you... Two out of three. <laughs> that you're a hater? Yes, but the chili peppers are objectively bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. It's nope. Fi- it, they're fine, like, until you hear other things, you know? I'm going <laughs> to. Like, if you haven't heard better stuff yet, they probably sound pretty cool. But then at some point, like, you should get around to trying other things All right. that are better. All right. I'm going to. Like, if the first, you know, if the first beer you have. Is like a is a you know when everybody everybody goes through that stage where they, where they think Blue Moon is like a nice beer. That's true. You're just in that stage of your music listening development, and that's okay. But see, here's the thing though: is like there's there's still a place for Blue Moon. I'm gonna have to disagree again. Okay, but I'm just that's <laughs> to play the metaphor out. Sometimes there's still a place for it. When's moon. the last time you've ordered a Blue Moon? It's been forever. Yeah, exactly. But. When's like, the last time you've listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers? Not that long ago. Well, <laughs> sincerely, that's, not that long that's ago. That's where you goofed, I guess. All right, I'm going on to our Twitter account right now, and I'm posting a poll that just says, "Are the Red Hot Chili Peppers peppers objectively bad? Yes and no." Uh, can we take it a step farther? Because further, farther is literal distance. Further is metaphorical distance. Wow. I would have, ne- my English major would have failed me miserably if you asked me to explain the difference between those two. Well, nice job, Spencer. Now you know. I may not have learned much in art school, but I picked up a few other things along the way. Proud of you. In my liberal arts education. Um, I've been listening to a shitload of Paramore lately. So can you make the poll Paramore or Red Hot Chili Peppers? No. Okay, cool. Because that's Thanks. not the that's not the <laughs> the question is do people agree with your statement that the red hot chili peppers are objectively bad, and that's what we need to find the answer to. Well, okay, let's be careful about our phrasing though. Let's try and give it. Uh, a sign. Maybe you should have been more careful about your phrasing when you made the sentence. That's what you said. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying we need we should pose the question in a more neutral way than than posing the negative. Well, you let's just make it. Let's just make it. A true or false question. The red hot chili peppers are objectively bad. True or false. Or uh, the red hot chili peppers are colon and then have the options be good or bad. Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I can do that. We don't we don't want to bias it in the, you know, people 
either because I feel like we're setting people up to disagree with me here because it's fun to disagree with the guy with a hot take. <laughs> I like if, how that's your reasoning. It couldn't possibly be that it's a bad take. It's well, we'll that, no, we'll find out. It, it right. may. Even if people disagree with me, it's not a bad take. You know what I think we also need to do? I'm sorry, guys. We just need to get through this, and we'll be we'll be moving on to weirder and funnier things in a second. I think we need to run it on on our uh, on our Twitter account, and then we need to pose the exact same question on your Twitter feed to your Twitter followers, and I need to do it on my feed to my followers, and we need to see. I'm gonna if block get- so many people. <laughs> You're going to go from three thirty five hundred followers to like 14 in a day. Like, nope, nope, I'm just nope. not going to see anything. I'm going to log into Twitter and it's just going to say it's empty because I've blocked everyone on Twitter. <laughs> Did you see Ice Cube talk about how fun it is to block people on Twitter the other day? No, but he, it, it, he's right. It is. He's like, he's like, you know, when you learn how to block motherfuckers on Twitter, this place is actually real fun. I like yeah. learning from people I've never talked to before. I was having this conversation with friend of the podcast, Lydia Liza, the other night mm-hmm. about how many people we each had blocked on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and she has one person blocked on Twitter. I got to be honest. Mine's not that long. It's probably, I, I don't know. It's not that long. I don't know how many it is, but it's like. Lydia went on Fox News to talk about feminism and blocked one person on Twitter. Yeah. Lydia was getting literal death threats. Like, she does two months out of every year on Twitter, and she has blocked one person. That's real. Incredible. That is is pretty incredible. I had had 40-something, and I didn't know who most of them were. She's got significantly (laughs) more patience than you do. All right. uh, One more voicemail. Let's do it. Hey. It's Scott. Hi. I'm going to bed. just want to call and tell you guys good night. So, good night. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye, boys. <laughs> Bro. Gonna be a good day. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the best <laughs> we've ever gotten. Dude, it would warm my heart if just once a night somebody called just to tell us good night. Like, what a fucking adorable and like, made me so happy. It's so good. Also, he sounds like a little buzzed and like real happy. He and sounds sleepy. Makes, he sounds sleepy. Okay, maybe sleepy. It's it, 14 seconds. We can listen again. Yep. Hey. Hi. It's Scott. Hi, Scott. I'm going to bed. Just want to call and tell you guys. I'm going good night. to bed. So, good night. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye, boys. <laughs> That's so awesome. Mm hmm. Also, the inclusion of talk to you tomorrow is is he didn't call back. He has not called back since. I uh, I think I think we need the bye boys drop so that we can, um, you know, Mm -hmm. we can say goodbye, bye boys, or Scott can say bye on our behalf at the end of every episode. Yes. All right, Ryan, you done with your Twitter poll? Can we talk about silly stuff? You can start us off while I finish my Twitter poll. Okay. We're going full blown ancient aliens this week because. Sometimes you just got to send it. Does, does Giorgio Saluclos make an appearance? Uh, he could. I, I've started rewatching some. Spoiler a- alert. Some he an- does. Some ancient aliens this week. Because, Did you? Yeah, because uh, the entire season or entire series, all 14 seasons is on demand if you have Comcast. And, you know, what better to do in the evening than fire off a couple episodes of Ancient Aliens? I, uh... I got to be honest with you. I've probably only watched total like five or six episodes. It doesn't surprise anyone who's listening right now. That's probably true. <laughs> Can you add that to your Twitter poll? 
Have you ever been surprised when Ryan says he, he hasn't, hasn't seen, seen something? something? I like it though because the the default is people are like Ryan probably hasn't seen it. But then when I have seen something, everyone's like, "Hey, he's seen it!" And then there's a celebration on my behalf. That's just you typing in caps. Come on. Well, also this that doesn't constitute a celebration. Also this. <laughs> We're talking about elongated skulls. Big head. Coneheads. Big head. Conehead. I watched a good chunk of Coneheads today to try and pull some sounders, and it's tough. I also watched a chunk of Coneheads to try to pull some sounders and did not find any good yeah, ones either. Yeah. Lots of weird accents and music and sound effects and shit. Yeah. I personally want to talk about the Malta skulls. I don't know which ones, which one or ones you prepped. I'm going to Peru with it. Okay, great. So why don't you start us in Malta and I'll take us to Peru afterwards. Okay. Well, Malta, uh, if you're not familiar, is a small island nation about 50 miles south of Italy with a population of about half a million people. And on Malta, there is um, a place called the Hypogeum of Hal Cephalini. H-A-L. Yes. S-A-F. Yes. I-L-E-N-I. Okay. Hypogeum of Hal Cephalini. That's a, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. That's I, the, I think I got it. That's the worst name I ever <laughs> I'm helping because I, I don't I, have the sign board. <laughs> that's I'm a pretty helping. good Sizzlack impression. Thank though. you. It is uh, at 5,000 years old, likely the oldest prehistoric underground temple in the world. That's a pretty, uh, pretty lit. It's a hell of a title. Where's Indiana Jones at? It was first discovered in 1902 when construction workers were, uh, building out or digging out foundations for, for some new buildings. Okay. And dug through the roof of this underground temple. Oops. And yeah, exactly. Originally tried to just cover it back up. (laughs) (laughs) because they assumed that they had somehow fucked up. I love the idea of a guy who's just like, no, the demons are coming out. The demons are coming out. (laughs) Filled in, filled in, filled in. Well, he might not have been too far off. Cool. Um, They began excavating it uh, a couple years later, and they found this huge underground structure. Okay. Consisting of uh, three different levels descending into the earth, farther Damn. into the earth. They likely had to remove, so it, it's carved out of existing bedrock. So they didn't like dig a big hole, put a bunch of, build something in it and then cover it back up. They removed stone that was already there. Mm-hmm. And it's estimated that they removed about 2,000 tons of stone during the construction of it. What? Mm-hmm. This is all on Malta. Yeah. Damn, Malta's not that big of an island. What's? Do you have uh, any stats in terms of like square mileage or anything? I don't hey, have that in my notes. Spencer, guess what Malta is? It's uh, your favorite word. Is it an archipelago? Nailed it! Sick. It is an archipelago. Uh, it is just off the boot of Italy. Yeah, yeah. It is a series of three islands, it looks like. Uh, it is... Let's see. It's another episode of Ryan Reed's Wikipedia. Come on, buddy, you got it. Google's hard. Uh, um, 
Population 475,000 people yeah. and an area of 122 square miles or 316 that square oh, God damn. kilometers for our non-American friends. It's the world's... It's not. It's the world's 10th smallest and 5th most <laughs> densely populated country. Those two are fucking dumb. Okay. Um, but that's crazy, though, that they took that much stone out in the process of building this thing. You said 2,000 tons? It's an estimate, but yeah. Crazy. I estimate based on density and negative space, I would guess. Um, it's estimated that it was only used until about 2500 BC so it hasn't been used in whatever that is 4500 years mm -hmm. and uh, in 1902 it was discovered and then uh, in 1904 they actually excavated it and in 1908 it was opened to the public okay that seems like a dicey thing to open up to the public. Like, here, come come into our three layers down underground temple that's like yes. a hundred, or not a hundred, hundreds, thousands of years old. Hundreds of thousands? No, no, hundreds, and then I thousands. realized I misspoke yes. and said thousands and thousands of years old. So, because it was discovered in the way that it was, by accident and not by archaeologists, um... Some they found, they found juice boxes in well, it. Well, <laughs> some things went missing, oh. we think. Yeah. Um, That'll happen. Many of the chambers seem to have been emptied without any documentation of what was in there or where things went. Mm -hmm. And um, in 19, I think it was 06, the first actual study of the hypogeum was done by... Mm, Yes, do it. The <laughs> do it. I believe. The Themistic. Them. Istocles. Themistocles. The mystical Zamet. Yep. The last name is definitely Zamet. Cool. Curator of the National Museum of Malta. Oh, okay. So most of the information we have is based on his assessment from 1906. When things had already been fucked with. Kind of taken, etc. Some, some things had gone missing. Yep. But based on what he did find in some of the areas that were untouched, and then extrapolating that to the rest of the, uh, the temple, he thinks that between six and 7,000 people were buried there. And it appears to have been some sort of temple to the dead. Damn, son. So he found uh, that six to 7,000 number has been reported in different ways in different places. Okay. And sometimes reported as six to 7,000 uh, skulls were found and only a dozen or a couple dozen of them survived. I think what's probably more accurate is he only found a dozen or a couple dozen and estimated based on other fragments and other areas of the temple that there must have been many more there that there probably were many more people actually buried there mm. but he actually got intact skulls of only I think it's like 12 to 15 okay um, 
Yeah, and that's going to be so hard to estimate at that point because if you know it's been fucked with and broken into and robbed and potentially scattered, also you're how can you know? Yeah, and you're looking at things that are thousands of years old. Right. And luckily, they because this thing was underground and sealed, it was fairly well preserved. You know, these weren't exposed to the elements, and it was sort of... Um, the, the climate was fairly stable because sure. it was underground. But you're still still dealing with bones that are five thousand plus years old. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna deteriorate. Um some of those skulls are odd looking and elongated. And specifically elongated in a um sort of a conical way. So the the back plate of the skull looks like it's just been stretched straight out and back sort of at like a 45 degree angle. Mm. As and opposed I, to some other forms of elongation or deformation that we might talk about later. We will. Oh, we will. <laughs> um, a couple of them, or at least one of them, also displays what some of the Peruvian ones we'll be talking about later display, which is an absence of uh, the cranial knitting lines or sutures. So when a baby human is born, there are different pieces of your skull that fuse together over time. It has to be somewhat malleable so you can get out of your ma, and then over time it sort of firms up. And there are these little lines where the different pieces of your skull fuse together. Yes. The, I think it's the sagittal. Is that the one down the middle? Uh, no. I think so. The one down the middle, uh, some or at least one of these skulls is missing. Yep. So it's maybe a little bit weirder than just them being big or elongated. Um, there also is evidence of drilling and swelling at the back of the skull. So some of these skulls look like there was some sort of swelling that was then drilled into to relieve said swelling. Ouchie, ouch, ouch, ouch. I, I don't know what the cause of that would be or what medicine in 2500 BC looked like. Or if that had anything to do with why these people died and were buried. It's that whole, you got some ghosts in your blood, you should do some cocaine about it thing where it's like, yeah, we don't fucking know. We'll put a leech up your nose and drill a hole in your head and that'll help your headache. These odd skulls were displayed publicly until 1985, but now are only available to researchers upon request. Mm. And I don't know if that's an issue of uh, deterioration, deterioration over time. Right. Um, or there are lots of weird conspiracies, of course, around that. Right. Uh, in other places, it's reported that they disappeared in 1985, but the government got them. People have been given access They're under the Vatican to study and even photograph them since then. They're just not publicly displayed anywhere. Got it. You can, however, still visit the, uh, the hypogeum itself. That's cool. And do a walking tour through most of it. Damn. Uh, they closed it for a couple of years to, they had to update a few things in terms of 
uh, mostly the, like they had to put in a new HVAC system essentially because it had been sealed for thousands of years and now people were moving through there and they needed to make sure that people were safe and getting airflow <laughs> Oxygen. And, and, and whatnot. And also to try and preserve what was down there. Oh, sure. Because even people just walking through and exhaling changes the climate enough to possibly accelerate the deterioration of, of some things. Sure. Moisture. and, and It's impossible to have people moving through all day, every day without some people touching things and creating, uh, just introducing lots of new shit that didn't used to be there. Mommy, look a bone. Well. <laughs> put it back, honey. Put it back. But like even um, some of the... I think it's limestone that it's carved out of. Even just oils from people's hands, like if you run your hand along the wall or or put your hand on, you know, the edge of something as you're coming around a corner, that can start to actually flake off and wear away the the limestone or like the top layer of it. So they were sealing some of the like busier parts and then introducing new airflow <laughs> yeah but it's open and you can walk through it um, that's cool the temple itself so we got weird skulls we have thousands of people buried underground in in this huge three layer temple the temple itself is pretty fucking cool uh in that there is a chamber sort of in the middle that has some really weird resonant properties Ooh, cool and is the, appears to be designed intentionally to resonate at certain frequencies and to uh, not necessarily amplify, but distribute sound throughout other chambers of um, of the temple. So if you stand in the middle of this one chamber and speak, it could be heard throughout the entire temple. Damn, that's freaky. And... Uh, Dr. Ian Cook, professor from UCLA, studies prehistoric megalithic structures and specifically their resonant properties because he believes that there are other locations around the world intentionally designed to resonate at certain frequencies for certain ritualistic purposes. Do you think they had like uh, CB radios back then and it was just they had to stand in the right designed space? his opinion is that it's not so much for communication, but for ritual. Mm. And he found that basically he, he went into this chamber and just blasted, uh, Slayer, (laughs) different, (laughs) different frequencies into the room to try and determine if it had a specific resonant frequency. Sure. And found that it had, uh, resonant. It was, it was resonant between, 110 to 112 hertz and he's found that most of the megalithic structures that he's studied that have some sort of resonant properties resonate between 95 and 120 hertz so that's fairly low but it's like sort of the low end of the human voice would be somewhere in those frequencies um. Well, that's that's basically what he's getting at is he thinks that they may this chamber and others like it may have been where uh, special spiritual and or social events occurred and they were designed to amplify and reverberate chanting, specifically male huh. chanting. So if you had a group of men in there chanting, 
there's a, a reverb tail around 110 hertz that lasts eight seconds. Whoa, so there would be, that's legit. Yeah, there would be some pretty serious buildups. And he also had people listen to different frequencies in this range and monitor their brain activity to see if there's something unique about 110 to 112 hertz yeah. and why so many of these places seem to be designed with that frequency range in mind. Yeah. And in a study with 30 healthy adults, he had them listen to tones at 90, 100, 110, 120, and 130 hertz and measured their brain activity. And at 110 hertz, found that uh, left temporal brain activity was significantly lower than at any of the other frequencies. Hmm. And the uh, pattern of activity over the prefrontal cortex shifted from one of higher activity on the left to at all other frequencies to one of right dominance at 110. What's this guy's name again? It's Ian Cook. He's a professor of psychiatry and behavioral science at UCLA. Biobehavioral science. Sorry. And that's a far more legit title than I was inventing in my head. <laughs> what did you invent? It? I'm just like, <laughs> dude, with a microphone and a notebook. <laughs> well, not to be and an oscilloscope. Not to be whatever, but and like th- 29 friends. Yeah. <laughs> not to be whatever, but. I think most of these, I don't know, a lot of the stuff around the elongated skulls stuff screams pseudoscience. Yeah. And so when you were telling me Spoiler, that- Spoiler, that's what we talk about here. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but when you told me that this guy was doing sonic treatments to people's minds and was getting an effect out of it, I was immediately hella skeptical and was like, oh, is he Dave the audio enthusiast from- England who showed up with his 30 friends. And there are those people also. There are. They I have just mean, cool websites that I also spent time on. Yes. But chose not to lead with. But this guy's work and title uh, off the rip feels much more legitimate to me than I would have expected is I guess what I'm trying to say. To simplify and maybe oversimplify, but I'm not really smart enough to know those findings, um, that brain activity shift represents a uh, relative deactivation of language centers in the brain and an increase in activity in areas of the brain responsible for emotional processing. Huh. So I hope you're about to tell me that you have a bunch of 110 Hertz sounds queued up and we're going to listen to them live on the show and see what our brains do. I could play 110 sine wave for you if you really want. I kind of do. Okay. Keep telling me your story though. We can play Um, it at the end. I'm about at the end. This is a direct quote from the uh, abstract of his uh, findings. These intriguing findings suggest that the acoustic properties of ancient structures may influence human brain function and suggests that a wider study of these interactions should be undertaken. Interesting. So he thinks that this structure and others like it may have been intentionally built to to affect brain activity and maybe with some other uh, some other influences create altered states in one's brain. Well, and something that isn't covered there that I 
think is very fascinating, and obviously I don't think there would be a good way to test this per se, but what effect does 110 hertz frequencies chanted with high degrees of reverberation, what effect does that have on the human brain when your brain is a different shape? And your skull is a different shape. Your, maybe they were elongating their skulls to resonate at one ten. I'm saying, like, what if, what if that, what, if, <laughs> like, what if that is part of it? Is hey, we made this room, and when you fucking elongate your skull, it emphasizes. I mean, you have also here's some free mushrooms. <laughs> also, you have to chant, so work on your breathing techniques. All of the above. Yeah. But really, though, right? I mean, if we're talking about yeah, a thing know. that would affect the head and the brain and the hearing, would having would would not having your skull in a different shape with? I'm trying to think. I guess it wouldn't be more surface area in total, but you would have more surface area for depending on where the sound was hitting your head. You got a big old reverb tank for a dome, but yeah, you got a big reverb tank. Uh, you want to hear 110 hertz still? Sure, let's hear it. Okay. We're gonna transcend. Oh, it's down there, but not way down there. <laughs> Ooh, the first like suggestion. Pretty good ohm. The first suggestion on YouTube is 110 frequency, one hour ancient out of body. <gasps> um, guys, today's podcast is going to be one hour longer than normal. All right, guys, we'll see you on the other <laughs> side. Let us know if you have an out of body experience. We will too. Hell yeah. Damn, it's it's pretty intense. Wow. Yeah, I'll turn it down a little bit. No, I just mean in general, whatever volume you had that at, I feel like if you listen to that for a full hour, that would be pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> you be a lot. You want to try? Not really. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I hope I hope we just we save about four seconds of 110 hertz and we just interrupt each other with it on the soundboard. <laughs> boop, Look, boop, I'll, I'll put it at boop. the, I'll put it at the end of the episode. <laughs> Today's episode is going to be an hour longer than normal, but it'll all be at the end. And it's an hour of 110 hertz at the, yeah. at the back side. This week's Patreon episode is just <laughs> 110 hertz for an hour. You're welcome for your out of body experiences. Dude, we, oh, YouTube suggestions are lit in this corner. 417 hertz healing music let go of mental blockages remove negative energy ancient frequency music you know what the crazy part is 8 I, million views I god damn it we should be making money I off of bullshit like this I was literally just saying I bet you it has so many views this is a, okay there was there was a chord change the other one was literally one a tone single tone that only had 392,000 views though but still <laughs> That's so many views. <laughs> First comment. Ancient astronaut theorists say yes. God bless. The YouTube comments are oh, either an yeah. absolute trash oh, fire yeah. or they're one of the Extremely most golden, on point. Yeah, just golden bits you've ever heard. So I, I thought that was interesting in maybe not in direct relationship to the skulls, but more in yeah. like there seemed to be some pretty weird shit going on down here. And also... These people seem to have some things figured out pretty early on. Yeah, totally. The ability to, or the, the knowledge that 110 hertz maybe does some weird shit to your brain. Right. But then also the engineering ability to actually build something to resonate at a specific frequency. Right. Sort of impressive. And Hell yeah. they, they must have had 
some level of commitment to like, no, this is real and it's important. And we're going to excavate 2,000 tons worth of stone. I mean, I don't think that was the only purpose for the temple, but yeah. I'm just saying like, if, if you're also going to be... They also had, you know, death cults. Excuse me? <laughs> the Malta death cults. That's a real thing. We don't thing? have time today, but give it a Google. Yikes. Stripes. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh-huh. Um, so the skulls themselves, I mean, I guess we can we can get into, at the end, what we think is going on with these skulls and if it's artificial head binding and whatnot. Well, I'm going to dive straight into artificial cranial deformation yeah, okay. um, before we talk about Peru. The one other thing I had about, about Malta was they seem to have some... Um, some weird thing about their priests and snakes. Uh-oh. Possibly snake priests. Uh-oh. They seem to like snakes, and they had a lot of priests. You know, if you've got an extra 9 they, to 10 inches on top of your head, you know what a really good place to keep a snake is? Wrapped around it? Wrapped around your big dumb skull. <laughs> <laughs> you can hide under my hat now, bud. Uh, a quick quote from Vittorio de Cesar and Adriano Forgioni who were some of the more recent people allowed to view, study, and photograph the skulls. Strong names. Said, quote, Perhaps the skulls found in the hypogeum and examined during our visit to Malta belonged indeed to these serpent priests. Oh. The long head and drawn features must have given a serpent-like appearance, stretching the eyes and skin. Spooky. We can only speculate, but the hypothesis can't be far from reality. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. <laughs> Solid logic. It's, we can't know for sure, but we're pretty sure we know. <laughs> A reality worsened by the fact, by spelled B-U-Y, by the fact that such deformities certainly created walking problems, forcing them, dot, 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 to slither! Exclamation oh, point. Oh, God, get serious. <laughs> So he thinks they Is were, that a joke? That's got to be a joke, mm, right? It's on the internet. It must be real. Sounds. All right, your turn to talk about Peru. Well, let's. I'm not going to go right into uh, snake people. We solved it. <laughs> we're done here. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more specifically about artificial cranial deformation before we get into Peru specifically. Okay. So you talked a little bit about it as it relates to Malta. Um, Hell yeah. But the 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 so let's. What the fuck is artificial cranial deformation to start? So artificially deforming your cranium. You're right. Am I close? You started. You started <laughs> off on a good foot. Um, so it's actually a practice that is older than written history. People have been doing this for longer than we were writing down the things that we were doing, which is crazy. And I did not know. They've also you, been. Are doing you saying it, that we didn't have the ability to write until we started deforming our cranium? No, no, I'm not saying that. Although, and if is, is and, it possible? Is it possible? <laughs> and if so, um, no. But it, it, it's something that's been happening for a really long time, and, and the practice itself is essentially people take the heads of their children and apply force to them that's using rude. a variety of you methods. Should not apply force to your child's head. I agree. Just in in general, don't do it. Uh, as an infant, your your head, like you said, you got to be able to have a relatively malleable head when you come out of your mama's pelvis because your mom's pelvis is a confined area and your brain 
might be slightly bigger than that, or your head might be slightly bigger than that. So it's got to be able to move. So what they do is they use that malleability over... From, use it against the child. Use it against the to child. To make them weird looking. <laughs> from roughly one month after they're born to six months to a year or so, they can continue to shape and reshape the skull. And then at that point, those sutras that you're talking about, they actually heal and seal together, creating a... Or they disappear if you're a snake priest. Or they disappear if you're a snake priest. Uh, they they seal and heal, and then your brain continues to grow with that same bone structure in that same way for the rest of your life. Um, they do it in a bunch of different ways, and by they, I mean this is really a historical thing. It's not something that's really done today. I think there are some very remote lingering practices, but uh, but for the most part, obviously this is not practiced in the way that it was traditionally. Um, you can, you can round a head by binding it in cloth. Round it? Uh, like putting a band in it almost. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like. Like a really tight headband? Like a really tight headband. And then you get almost like a, an indent in a, like a more of a bulbous sort of Hmm. shape out of the back of it. Okay. Um, other societies have been known to, this sounds super fucked up. I got the ickies like multiple times when I was doing research on this. Cause there's some illustrations and it doesn't take much, but this was enough for me to be like, Ugh. uh, they, they put a kid on a board with a hinge at the top of it with another board. And then they just use straps to push the front of the kid's head down. Move you dumb kid. Like a, like a roll over. I don't know, like a mouse trap or something like that. Just like applying pressure to the forehead of the kid. And that creates sort of a flat and Hell no. more of a wedge shape face slash head. Um, and then there's also the, the conical ones, which is sort of a combination of the two. Sometimes it's boards around the side of the head that are sort of bound together to get it to mm. grow into that sort of that one elongated seems like it'd be trickier. board shape. I agree. I agree. Do you ever you ever listen to or watch the the point by Harry Nielsen? Is this about pointed heads? Yeah, everybody's got one. Is this true? Well, in that story, it is. By who? Except one guy, Oblio. He doesn't have one. Harry what Niel- is this? <laughs> Harry Nielsen. The point uh, is Harry. Like, isn't Harry has Nielsen Ryan, a singer? Has Ryan seen it? Yeah, I'm he so made a, a record that's like half music and half story. So he'll sing a song about whatever's happening and then narrate and then sing a song about it and then narrate. No way. And they made an, it's one of my favorite albums ever. Then there was an animated version in like the seventies. This sounds like a complete trip. I really like Harry Nielsen. Didn't, uh, what's Do his like, have, most famous song? I probably got enough weed for us to watch it later. All right. <laughs> I mean, drugs are bad. Don't do that kids. <laughs> um, we have found these everywhere. Which is pretty crazy. I'm going to go through... Everywhere. Not everywhere, but a lot of places. Um, 8,300 to 8,600, the East Germanic tribes, so like the Huns. We found them in current day Iraq. 8,600? AD. Got it. 300 to AD 600. Got it. Uh, I was like... Finding future skulls, right? Which internet are you on? Southwestern Asia, we found them. Uh, we found them in the areas where the Mayans and the Incas were. Native Americans in the United States. Uh, we have evidence of these elongated skulls. Uh, Aboriginal Australians in so the, Africa. The aliens got around. 
Tahiti, Samoa, Hawaii. Um, so you're saying every culture had contact with the extraterrestrials. Toulouse in France. So, I mean, we can get there now or later, but there is... You were going to tell us about Peru still. I'm going to. I'm okay. just going to say there. there's an interesting question to be asked, which is before intercontinental travel was a thing that we have any evidence or documentation of, this was a form of body deformation and modification that existed in almost every continent in many cultures over a widespread of time and a widespread of places. And I do find that really interesting. Yeah. That's always a lot of whether it's architecture or cultural practices. How did we all come to the same conclusion about a very specific thing that in this case, I don't think has any real advantages, right? Well, so that's a really good segue into the next thing I was going to say, which is why, why, <laughs> why are we doing this? Yeah. And obviously we don't know, we, we don't have any written documentation of specifically why this was done. Um, or what we do have is extremely, you know, limited and it's also not applicable to every single culture and every single culture's reasoning for doing what they were doing. If we do but, have information that's coming from Brian Forrester's Facebook page. Which we're going to talk about. Um, Do we have to? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's roughly, it's, I, yeah, we do, we do. Um, the, there's this great report that I saw referenced from, uh, Marta Alfonso Deruti, who's an anthropologist from Kansas State University. And, uh, they wrote a paper that was published in the American Journal of Physical Anthropology, and the paper examined 60 skulls from a group of, hunt, well, from what we could gather, hunter-gatherers that lived in the southern Patagonia area from around 2,000 years ago. And 30% of the 60 skulls showed some version of intentional deformation of the skull. So, wait, 19 out of, 19 of them probably? You said 30% of 60? Yeah. Okay. So 18, 19 of them. Um, And what they were hypothesizing in this paper is that hunter-gatherers had to travel, but Mm -hmm. they were probably at a time in history where not everyone was traveling in the way that hunter-gatherers were traveling. Okay. And so if... How were they traveling? What do you mean? How you said not everyone was traveling in the way that they were traveling. How were they traveling? I'm saying some people in the tribe's job was to be a hunter and a gatherer, and some people were staying put. You're saying not everyone was traveling as much as they were. Yes. Got it. Yes. There were there were some people who were staying put while the hunters and gatherers of the tribes would go out. Understood. And the from from what I could from what I could gather from the paper, the hypothesis they were putting forth was this was essentially a way of going, I'm one of you. So let's say you sent, you've got a big tribe with tons of people in it. They hadn't figured out handshakes yet. Right. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> they didn't have gang signs back like, then. Yeah. No gang they didn't, signs. They didn't have you, can't, you can't wear a blue or a red Jersey to tell people like, you know what your squad is or a blue or a red Jersey. That's something you could swap and somebody, you, you know, you could have killed a hunter gatherer and taken his red Jersey and then walked in and been like, yeah, I'm one of you from another place. But this, you think they felt stupid when they met 
people from other places that just had tattoos. And they were like, oh, that would have been... Fuck. That would have been so much easier. Their heads are so normal looking. <laughs> but but also, so going back to the why, and that's also a perfect segue as well, there are other people who have said, it's not just a you're one of me, I'm one of you, cultural community, we're on the same team thing. There's also an element of it that was beauty. Uh, they, they have done reconstructions of King Tut's head and found that King Tut's head is flattened along the top and slightly elongated. Didn't he have a lot of issues though? Well, there's hypotheses of that as well. Uh, but also if you look at a lot of the Egyptian culture, a lot of the depictions of those heads have wraps or pushbacks that go up. Yeah. The flattening was an Egyptian thing too, I think. Yeah. I, I understand you know, we all we've always done all kinds of weird things in the name of beauty. Yep. It just seems odd to all not all, but for so many separate cultures who as far as we know weren't really interacting with each other or had very limited interactions with each other, to all settle on the same pretty drastic version of it, of beauty. Yeah. Of body modification. Well, and it's not just beauty. So again, great segue. There's one additional element of this that is not entirely universal, but sort of we've seen in a lot of places, which is that um, this is a thing that is often done to people who are of a higher class, whether that be wealth or royalty or both, that those often are the people who have the strongest or, or most modification. One of the ways uh, that we've seen that was through measure, measuring carbon and nitrogen isotopes of the bones from some of these skulls. And in one specific location in a locate, uh, it's called the Colca Valley, which is in southeastern Peru. They found skulls from 1100 to 1450 CE that had, uh, the bones after being tested had evidence of having consumed a more varied diet. And that is evidence often that the people who had those bones were more privileged because a less varied diet meant that you were poor and you could only afford a couple ingredients. So between some of this status potentially as well status. So status or a combination of the two again, like I within a culture or a few cultures, I get that it still seems odd that because there's so many ways to display status or beauty and so many interpretations of both. And also a thing that I found or I still think is strange is there's a lot of ways you could modify a body. Not just like, obviously you said, you know, the, the skull being a incredibly drastic one, but I don't know. We didn't, we didn't weight our arms to make them longer or, you know, like there are other things that you could do to modify a body that would, that would signify difference from your culture. Like, why don't we, why don't we run across a lot of those? Like, Oh, this culture weighted their arms so that if you, the longer the arm, your arms were the more, do you know what I'm trying to get at? Uh, Maybe that's an example, but my guess is that we do. They're just not, as drastic and not as widespread. Well, and I guess that's what I'm getting at though, is why that one so specifically and why so widespread? Is it possible that we just don't have 
lasting records of other body modification things because you can't modify people's bones? I mean, if I stretch out my earlobes, you're never going to know because if you find me 5,000 years later, my earlobes are long gone. And like, yes, that's true. I guess I just wonder, I mean, I don't know. Aren't, aren't children's bones in general pretty flexible? Couldn't you be curving bones or I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I also can't think of another example that wouldn't have demonstrably negative effects. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you give birth to a baby and then you're spending all day, every day with that baby, you're probably going to realize that their heads are soft. Well, from everything right? like that's going to become apparent to all, to anyone who gives birth to a baby. And from everything I I know about giving birth to babies, which haha, is not this very much at all. No, it's just that often a baby's head naturally elongates a little bit on its way out to fit through the pelvic canal when it comes out. That's what I'm saying. Is is it just because it'd be pretty hard not to be aware of the fact that their sutures are not fused? Right. And it maybe wouldn't have an immediate or like a demonstrable negative effect on their ability to exist. Right. And we have permanent document or better documentation of it because it's bone related as opposed to most other body modifications. Yeah. I mean, I think all those things are definitely possible if not probable. It still feels surprisingly universal. Yeah. I guess part of what I'm, positing is are there other equally universal body modifications that we just don't have as good of a record of and aren't in this particular pseudoscientific zeitgeist in the same way because they don't look like aliens i think i think yes probably (laughs) i still find i guess any version of universal body modification pre a time where we were sharing information and being physically in each other's spaces cross-continent as sort of like, huh, word? Really? We were building columns the same or building pyramids the same or shaping our heads the same without even seeing each other or knowing that we were doing it? Why? How? How how are we that instinctually similar from across such distances as to be executing the same exact modifications, same exact structure building, same like to your point, same exact piercing or tattooing or whatever it might be? This one is less weird to me than some of the architectural stuff, for instance, because we all have the same hardware, right? Like it's not, it's not that weird that we would try stuff out with our bodies and we all have essentially the same bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I get building techniques being used across continents and across oceans is a little bit more intriguing to me because there's specific information. There are materials there's, you know, yeah, techniques and all kinds of, there are more variables than like, yeah, we all, literally all of us have a skull. Right. Let's maybe push it around and see what happens. Right, right. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Peru for just like a few minutes here, and then I got a couple of questions or things to wrap it up slash kind of a fun way of thinking about this whole thing. We have some early returns on the Twitter poll too. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. What do we got? Uh, you win or losing. So far, let's see. 
Uh, <laughs> we have 69% good, 31% bad. Nice. We have a few responses. Uh-oh. Horrible. Ha! <laughs> um, 31% are wrong, meaning they're good. Um, I would like a, quote, mostly good, I like a few songs, unquote, option. No, that is that is the exact point of a binary poll. And do Sublime next, which, hell yeah, we're going to do Sublime next. We got we to gotta wait till this one finishes, though. We got I, I set it for 36 hours, so we got to wait for 36 hours Why until we 36? do Sublime. Because this episode is not out yet, so people need to be able to show up and weigh in. You're right. All Look, right. if 70% of you guys think Sublime is a good band... The podcast is over. <laughs> just by the way, we're starting over. Nope. No, you're in, you're corrupting the poll. I'm blocking everyone who votes good on the Sublime poll. I'm gonna I'm forever. Gonna, You'll never see another one of our fun, goofy tweets or polls. And when Spencer and once I figure out how to block people from a podcast, you're fucking out of here. When Spencer leaves, I'm gonna rename it the What If Sublime Cast, and it's gonna be a fan cast where we just talk about Sublime lyrics. Cool. <laughs> It's going to be you and me, guys. Have, have fun podcasting to yourself. All right, so let's go to Peru. Okay. Uh, in Peru in the 1920s, uh, 1928 to be specific, there was a Peruvian archaeologist whose name was Julio Teo, and he was doing a dig in the Pisco province, which is on the south coast of Peru, like southwest coast of Peru. And... Uh, in the course of that dig, uh, Julio found 300 elongated skulls in a graveyard on the Paracas Peninsula, which is inside of the Pisco province. Good job. Yeah. Uh, they were able to suss out that the Paracas culture was in the area from about 800 to 100 BCE. Uh, they were able to find out that they built irrigation systems, that they had elaborate textiles, and that also they buried their dead in shaft tombs that they reused over periods of time. Shaft tombs? Know, pretty crazy, right? What does that mean? You just dig a shaft and into the ground? I think it means it's like a long tube and you kind of put a couple people and then you put a couple people and you put a couple people on your way out. I am not following this at all. As in, you go down, um, down or in, I think in might be more accurate, like into a mountain, into some mm. sort of wall, and then you just dig a shaft like a railroad tube. <laughs> you just push them in? And you stop at, you know, are, are 300 you, feet in. Are you sure about this, or are you no, just guessing? No, I have no oh, okay. idea. I'm guessing what a shaft tomb is. Uh, and you put roll a rock in front of it, and every time you need to add a couple more, not, you roll the rock aside, you walk 295 feet down the tomb this time, drop one, and go back. If you're just making shit up, stop talking like you know what you're talking about. I'm just saying, that sounds like <laughs> what it would be. Um, it's like the most white male shit you've ever done on this podcast. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> we've, we've done, I have no idea, but I'm going to present this as if I know... We've, we've done far worse. No, I told you I was <laughs> hypothesizing that I had no idea what I was saying while I was envisioning what a shaft tomb might look like. You got about 15 seconds. For what? Till the show's over, Shut your ass up. We got time. All right. So, 300 skulls. That's a lot of elongated skulls. Uh, they are... Interesting in similar ways to the multiskulls. So, missing essential suture some of them. 
well, let me rewind. A specific individual who we referenced earlier, Brian Forster, took a specific interest in these elongated skulls. Sure did. Uh, I'm not able to find any scientific qualifications for Brian. I don't think he has them. I don't necessarily think he does either. I don't necessarily think he claims to either for what it's worth. He just, he is a, I don't know, aficionado, I guess. He's interested in the topic, if you will. Uh, he went to Peru to examine these skulls and has become connected to this entire research project. He is now the director of the museum in Peru that houses these skulls. That museum is museum. The right word. Uh, it is a privately owned showcase of these skulls. Okay. They call it a museum, but it is privately owned by whoever owned the land when these were dug up. And he curates it, if you will, and speaks around the country and I'm sure drives a ton of visitors to the area for this purpose. But yeah, but Forrester identified a handful of things, which I mean, you can look at them and they're real. You can look at them and and they do exhibit some of these characteristics. Um, So like we said, they don't have the same suture plate. They only have one parietal plate. Those are the names of the plates that connect along the sutures. They have one parietal plate that goes up the front, top, back of the head. Uh, Some of them are 25 to 30% larger in volume and some 60% larger in weight than the normal human skull. That part, if true, is interesting to me. Because how are you creating more volume within your skull cavity by essentially stretch by like elongating it. Well, cause you can't stretch the actual bones, right? I, so aren't you just reforming the same amount of material into a different shape? I think yes. So how do you get more volume? I think that's part how of you get his more weight question. The only, the only thing I could think of was you know how when you break a bone, essentially what happens is bone sort of grows in between the bone to connect the your, bone your together? Your body deposits calcium to the area? Yeah, and then it sort of, I mean, is it possible that through the shaping, if you're elongating some of those sutures, are you are you, are you you widening the space between the plates and then more calcium needs to fill in in the suture to to get it to shut? And is that then potentially like spreading the bones, which then if more calcium fills in is actually creating higher volume. I guess we'd need to know too, like what the, what the actual range amongst humans is like, what's the normal range. Yeah. And is he saying 25% more volume than normal or than the high end of that range or than because if it's just more than average, there are people in the world who have larger heads than the average head. Yeah, I, and that I guess could be normal-ish. I don't know what the range is, and I don't know how far outside of that range these are. Right. But, but it does seem like probably not something that... I, I don't see how you could add more weight or volume by artificial deformation of the cranium. Yeah, the only thing I could think of, like I said, was the was the... Not breakage, but the 60% seems like way too much though, even for something like that. No, I agree. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah. But if you look at some of them, I mean, you, when you look at 
some of them, if not many of them, the, the Paracas skulls are, uh, are often recognized as the most extreme versions of this cranial deformation that exists of all of the ones we found. And like I said, we found them in a lot of places. And I Me think that's part Ryan. of... We've been hunting skulls all over the world. We've found <laughs> thousands. The, 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 uh, the proverbial we. Um, but I think that's part of what makes them so interesting. And if you look at some of them, the actual growth or deformation or top part of the skull, whatever you want to call it, is almost an equivalent of the other half of the like forehead down. They got a double dome. Kind of. like It looks like if you were to have another skull on top of your skull without eyes or nose or ears or a mouth. A double dome. A double dome. Mm-hmm. Put it on the list. The double dome. <laughs> um, but yes, Brian agrees with you. His claim is that you can reshape, but you can't grow a skull, and that makes these weird. That seems reasonable. Um, they have <laughs> Not a thing I thought I'd be saying in response to Brian Forrester today. <laughs> uh, he also made mention of the fact that many of the skulls have two holes in the back of them. Hmm. Um, they're very small as in artificial or just so holes. I don't know if they're necessarily sure whether they're artificial or not. What he compared them to in one of the presentations of his that I watched was we have holes on either side of our jaw that yeah. allow blood flow to pass in and out of that area as well as nerve tissue to pass in and out of that area. Okay. He equated them to the same size and shape and canal-like properties of those. And they're where? They're, there are two of them. They look like, I mean, they can't be more, they can't be wider than a pencil eraser. They're probably about half the width of a pencil eraser. And there are two of them about two to four inches apart on the back of the elongated skulls. Like parallel or perpendicular to the spine? Uh, perpendicular. Like the bottom? Okay, so through the back of the skull, not the bottom. Yes. Got it. Yep. And hmm. the, and the, I think the suggestion potentially there is, did these skulls have nervous system canals and blood canals in their heads or on their heads that are different than the average humans? Got a big brain, need more blood. Maybe. Run some extra pipes up to the double dome. The last thing that he said uh, two story is about got to reroute the plumbing double decker uh, is that many of the skulls were discovered with reddish hair, which uh, they said was tested. Dang, that's your science and claimed to have not been dyed and said that because the native peoples of Peru all traditionally have black hair, that this was strange and that there's potentially Scottish DNA in these people with the insinuation that there had been cross-continental travel further uh, in the past than we understood, I believe is the insinuation. Got red hair there, aliens? Let's see, it's easy. Scots are aliens? Now, the other thing that how, Brian... How hair preserved? You said these are how old? Uh, I can't remember. Eight... 800 you said to something BC. 800 to 100 we're BC. Pulling hair off of them? I guess. 
And it's the original color still? I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm certainly not defending anything Brian's saying here. I just that's surprising. An additional piece of his case that I've yeah, dude. Some of the some of the skulls look like they have wigs on them. It's not great. Trash. It's so trash. If you look at the the some of the museum <laughs> pictures, it looks like. Are we sure they're not wigs? Absolutely not. Are we sure that these people didn't shave their heads and wear cool wigs? Absolutely not. We are not sure of that at all. The Scots showed up and they killed them and made wigs out of their hair. Ooh, bummer. <laughs> or they were concerned about how weirdly big their heads were. And they wanted to cover it up. Well, you, if they did it on purpose, they wouldn't. Oh, you're saying maybe they happened organically and they're like, quick, put something on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have got some top hats so they didn't have to kill so many <laughs> Scotsmen. <laughs> That'd be an easy way to hide it. Well, um, two birds, one stone. You know what I mean? <laughs> no more Scots. Got a cool hat. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Scots. Oh, jeez. Your, your country and your people are quite lovely. We love you. Um, now, Forster got into trouble for saying that the DNA <laughs> might have been from something else. Interdimensional Bigfoot. He said that they sent five samples to a genetic testing laboratory and there were mutations in the samples of the Paraca skulls that suggest that researchers were dealing with a completely new human-like being, very different from Homo sapiens, Neanderthals, or Denisovans. Interdimensional Bigfoot. Now, he has sort of walked that back since his original post, which he put on Facebook and was never able to verify the individual or the genetic laboratory where he found those results. So it sounds a lot like bullshit. Sounds like some ancient alien enthusiasts believe. Right. Some say. Did, did you watch that Facebook video? What? Did you watch his Facebook video where he's talking about this stuff? For Brian Forrester? Yeah. No, I've just seen his like presentations oh. and stuff. I didn't watch it. My favorite one. part of that video is he's he's mostly just sitting down and it's a close-up of his face. He's talking. Then they cut at one point over to a table where he's got the skull on the table. Just the, and like the, the two main things in the shot are the skull and a pack of Pall Malls. Sick. <laughs> it's getting oh, equal so representation strong. in the shot. That's so strong. And for that moment, I sort of trusted him. <laughs> You're like, this guy gets it. Mm-hmm. This guy's a guy. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, he, he, I think he sort of walked <laughs> back his his uh, assertion that these are non-human. Just gonna send it! And to be honest, I think what he's done more of is a little bit of the I don't know, but also this is kind of weird, right? could it be? He also points to the fact that the Paracas Candelabra is one of the more famous Nazca Lines Mm. uh, elements, which is Obviously, it's in Paracas. It's right near this area. He's building himself some profile points. Uh huh. We got some profile <laughs> points, right? You've got. Well, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why are the heads like this? Why would you have? They're at elevation. Why would you have lines that are only visible to the sky? They got boulders in Peru, I think. Uh oh. Oh God! Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't even <laughs> say it. Don't even say his name. Um. So he, I think he's also, what he's doing is he's building up a, I, I'm not saying I know what this is. I'm just saying, don't you all think this is pretty weird? And to be fair. Classic. I do think it's a little bit weird. Yeah, sure. 
The holes in the back of the head that aren't found on the normal human skull, that's a little weird. Maybe that, they're trying to just, because their heads were so big, look in there and see what was going on. <laughs> You'd have to have a real tiny eyeball to fit well, into like an a... Early uh, arthroscopic surgery. Hey. Hey, what's in there? <laughs> well, um, one guy just got sick of wondering one day and decided to have himself a look. There are... So maybe, maybe it's just water. We can drain it out. Maybe it's just water. It's just a full balloon. Pull the plug, bud. Just. Hey, man, you don't know unless you unless you out. take a look. I mean, I guess. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Dave. C- come here quick. <laughs> then you just got to. What? <laughs> I'm, um. No, I, I just want to check on something. What? What are you going to do? I'm going <laughs> to. I just. Can I, can I look in your head? <laughs> Jackass. Have you seen it? Yes. You know, they used to run up behind dudes with the clippers. Yeah. <laughs> People just... With a drill? <laughs> trying to pop your head? <laughs> oh. Oh, he, ah! didn't train! Oh, oh, he died. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> just slowly tuck the drill back in your bag. <laughs> Walk away. Walk away. Trains, you just got like a floppy, dilapidated head. Like slouched over to the other side of your other head. Just a loose balloon Ugh. flapping around on top of your head. Oh, are we done? Somebody, somebody, fill me back up. Can we be done? Okay. So here's a question. Here's a question. I want to. Well, I, I want to end with a couple questions, mm-hmm. and then I I'm, have, I'm ready for your questions. And then I have the three probabilities of what's happening here. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, I still want to know why specifically it was happening around the world. And I do think you did a pretty good job of, is it a thing that happens naturally when, when, when you're born, uh, you add onto that, you know, it's a thing that we're trying. There's a lot of history of body modification. Maybe that is what it is. I find that interesting, but I, what I find more interesting is why the, um, why the connection specifically to royalty or important people, because it's not like it's something you couldn't do if you weren't, if you weren't either of those things. Do we know that that was true across cultures, though? Uh, or do we just have... To a degree, we do. Not universally around the world, but we know, to some extent, the royal or the wealthy or the elite of of cultures were exhibiting these characteristics more frequently. Okay. So I find that potentially interesting. Maybe uh, only the rich people had time to sit around and squish their babies' heads instead of doing other things. Instead of being poor and needing to work for money. Yeah, you know, finding food and stuff. I think the least weird and most prob- probable thing is this is just a natural phenomenon that people notice in their babies and people started playing with their malleable little heads and it just happened over time. And parents just used to get bored, dude. I love the very unprobable but like fun idea of did historic people see some example that they wanted to be like? Yeah, dog. Saw the aliens. Those are our gods. I mean, I know We're that like that's, them now. I know that that is like the goofy shit about this, but it's a really fun concept to be like, did the elite and wealthy and royalty around the world all have an experience with people who they were like, those motherfuckers came out of the sky in a silver fucking thing and they're dope and they look dope and we want to be like them. They, they taught heads. us shit. They gave us wheels and they gave us tools and shit. So many more styling options if your head is twice as big. And this is pre-writing, so if that had been the case, we wouldn't know. They're just shaping their heads to look like heads that they saw from people who they thought were pretty cool. Just spreads through word ahead. It's like 
word ahead. Yeah. It's, it's like when, you know, there was like somebody in school who you thought was cool and they got like a, a brand of bag or Jersey or Dude, shoe or whatever. And you were like, in the future, people sick. are going to be trying to figure out why our jeans were all so big for a few years. <laughs> Bless you. Ah! We never sneeze on the show. That's like the second one in the history of the show. Thank you. Um, but I love, I love that concept because it makes it for a really fun story. What if somebody on a podcast in the future is like Jinkos, mm. only worn amongst royalty mm. around the world? Should we start that trend? Should we yes. wear Jinkos and be like, we're rich? Yes. <laughs> Listen to us. We're rich. Do we they got still, Jinko do jeans. Do they still exist and can they sponsor our show? There's got to be Jinko jeans still available, doesn't there? Ryan, if you're looking up Jinkos right now, instead of asking your second question, an but, hour and 16 minutes into this podcast. No, no, no. I already asked my questions. This is the third possibility and the last possibility and the least probable, <laughs> which is that. Swear to God, I will turn this podcast around. Right. <laughs> my grandpa used to say, I'll turn this car around and slap us all up. And I love that. Version <laughs> Including of <it>. himself. <laughs> I think that's, that's why it was so funny to me is, <laughs> is he would include. He's going to make you responsible for an old man getting slapped by himself. Yeah. Look, we're all, we're all in this. All right. We're all going to hurt. Uh, no, but the most weird and the and the very least probable is that there is actually some sort of like non-human altered hybrid, and, you know, and Brian's got them species and they're in this very one specific place and Brian's got them. They're on the dining room table next to the palm malls. That's the specific place. <laughs> <laughs> I bet if you told that very, very old Peruvian person that one day they'd be on a dining room table and some guy's house next to a pack of palm miles. Not just some guy. Fucking Brian. Fucking Brian. Not even Dr. Brian, just Brian. Just a dude. Anyway, be careful, guys. Don't let your head get drilled <laughs> while you're not looking. <laughs> hey, we, uh, we love you guys. Thanks so much for supporting the show. If you want an extra episode of the show every single week and access to a back catalog of 100 additional episodes you've never heard before, go to patreon.com slash whatifpodcast. It's only five bucks a month to get extra podcast. Uh, we got new shirts up on the fucking store. Dad Dogs Ghost Blog shirts are up there. Swag, 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 swag. swag, swag. swag. At What If Pod on all of our social medias. Um, I'm making a comeback 35%. Oh, shit. Let's go. Um, I'll retweet anybody who votes bad. Hey, if you haven't shared the show with anybody recently, it's an awesome way to support the show and it means a ton to us. Uh, share it, retweet it, give it to a buddy, somebody that you think will like it. Uh, leave us an iTunes review. That helps us out a lot, too. Uh, and uh, I don't have any other announcements. I think this is such a dang neat show. Love you. See you next week.